This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pesavento, and each week we share mindset tips and real estate investing strategies to help you take your business and your investment portfolio to the next level. Today is no different. I've got an amazing guest in the studio today. Shaheen Shan is with us, who has an incredible background. We're going to dive into a lot of that and more. How are you doing today, Shaheen? Awesome. Honored to be on. Super, super excited to dive in. You have a very fascinating background before you started investing and creating businesses and creating lots of different lines of revenue that allow you to live the life you live today. Um, but tell us a little bit about your story. Give us a little introduction to how you showed up as this man today. I know you wrote an incredible book about this experience, but tell us uh, briefly uh, where and who you are. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I love the topic of your show as well, because I'm a huge fan of passive income streams. And my favorite passive income stream is really real estate. I've done a lot of sexy businesses in the past, a lot of exciting businesses, probably the most exciting businesses. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, my real estate investments are the most exciting for me. And they're the most freaking boring pretty much mm -hmm. for everybody else. Like nobody <laughs> walks into a party and is like, I've got a hundred unit apartment condo building in Orlando. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, people want to hear the sexy story, but the funnest thing in the world for me, actually, as far as an investment standpoint is real estate. Mm -hmm. uh, with that said, my story started in the early 1990s where I left home being a coming here uh, as an immigrant from Iran. I was born in Iran and my family came here to the United States. We were poor. We didn't have any money. And we started, uh, you know, my, my folks started raising their family uh, in a up and coming part of town that became affluent. And I saw a lot of wealth all around me. And I wanted access to that. I wanted all those things. I wanted the beautiful brunette and the Porsche and the big houses but there was no path to that for me. So mm. what I did was I burned my bridges. I left home at the age of 15 and got into the electronic music scene, kind of trying to figure out where I was going to find my fame and fortune. Turns out people really like drugs. And <laughs> no I, kidding, really. <laughs> it is a true fact. And I came up with a legal version of the hottest party drug of all time, ecstasy, called it herbal ecstasy basically made it in my girlfriend's at the time kitchen and turned out people loved my stuff just as much as the real stuff in, in many cases. Mm. And before my 21st birthday ended up doing over a billion dollars in revenue. And I've, I've written about this in my book, billion, how I became king of the thropo cult, uh, which is on Amazon. And there's an audio book and, and whatnot about the story. And we uh, just started uh, the making uh, of a motion picture. So I'm super excited about that. It's such an interesting place to start because, you know, a lot of people when they're young, they sell drugs in order to pay for college or to make money. I know many people have that experience. And 
But you, you actually found a way to do exactly that, but legally, and to be able to create massive amounts of money really on the, the tailwinds of something that everybody wants. They want to have a good time. They want to let loose. They want to be free. Yeah, look, but we're immigrants, Jewish Iranians migrating mm -hmm. to this country at the worst possible time for Jewish Iranians to migrate to the United States. Mm. And like many minority groups, uh, we had to struggle. Nothing was handed to us. And my dad took all kinds of odd jobs and I had to do what I could do to just survive. And so in school, I realized that I could hustle a little bit harder than the other kids, work harder than the other kids and supply what the kids needed. And that would give me a little bit of extra cash. Uh, fact was mm -hmm. most of the stuff that I was doing in my adolescence would be considered illegal by those days standards. Yeah. Right. And I would always get caught and I would always get busted. So I realized that I was really good at making money, terrible at crime. Horrible at crime. Crime was not a thing that I, I should have partaked in. And yeah. so fast forward to me being 15 and looking at the options in front of me, which really to most people wouldn't seem like a lot. But remember, I dropped out of high school. I left home. I had absolutely nothing to my name, slept on the beach, slept in abandoned buildings wherever I could until I figured out my thing. I, I realized that my adolescence taught me an important lesson in that I'm not good at crime. I should not be doing crime. So mm. that's where I found the workaround. I thought, man, if I could come up with an alternative to ecstasy that was mm -hmm. legal, that was natural, that we could sell everywhere through GNC, mm -hmm. through 7-Eleven, through Urban Outfitters, through the record stores, through the sex shops, through everywhere, mm -hmm. could make a lot of money. And that's, that's how we did it. And initially, I started in the electronic music scene. What I did was I saw an untapped avenue of distribution that nobody else had seen before, and I capitalized on that. And you know what that was, Stephen? What was it? Yes. You saw that people didn't want to be doing hard drugs and, or they couldn't find them, and so they were looking for something. Close, close. That's pretty good. The drug dealers. Mm. Most people saw these people as criminals. And did not see a distribution circle there, but rather just an avenue for illicit crime. I, on the other hand, yeah. saw them as a beautiful distribution circle that was organized. They had access to capital. They had a loyal customer base. And they were underutilized, especially during that time, because the supply of drugs had dried yeah. up. So I went in through all the drug dealers in the electronic music scene. And I said, guys. I got a plan for you. Mm -hmm. We're going to start selling these legal pills and I'm going to be your supplier. And it wasn't that easy, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I love what I what I love about this is this is a great example, right? We on the investor mindset we talk about there's really three pieces to money. You got to know how to make money, you got to know how to multiply money, and you got to know how to manage money. And a lot of people screw up. They start trying to manage money and they are trying to save a buck at Starbucks but they're making 40 grand a year. They're doing it in the wrong order, right? And what you're talking about here is a phenomenal example of how to make more money. This is the business entrepreneur angle of, hey, let me find a problem that's in the market. Let me find one that has a huge addressable market. And then let me figure out, hey, how can I get this new product out to the world? And so as a listener, when you're hearing this, you can think to yourself, hey, how can I apply this to go and focus on 
making money so that I can be active, running a business, maybe getting out of what you're doing, maybe solving the problem of surviving, which you were in. You had a no option, but figure this out type of mentality. I also lived in and grew up in a similar place or put myself in that kind of a place. But from that place, you can figure out almost anything. And you did, and you made a bucket load of money doing it. Yeah, that's true. We made close to a billion dollars gross revenue. Now, here's the interesting thing. Most people believe the line that they've been fed. The big companies, the corporations, the education system, the government, your parents, everybody wants you to believe that if you just play by the rules, you do what you're told, that at the end of the day, you will have, and I hate this word, hmm. security. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The fact is, there's 7, 8 billion other people in the world, mm -hmm. and sadly, not everybody is going to have that security. So yeah. what does that build? It builds competition. Not only that, unfair competition. So who rises yeah. to the top? Those with an unfair advantage. Mm. And so I learned early, if I wanted to be successful, I had to figure out a way to have an unfair advantage to excel. It's just like now mm. where I'm in the Amazon space and I teach people how to create businesses that create predictable recurring revenue streams by becoming Amazon sellers. And by, by the way, now is the best time to get involved mm. in Amazon, especially mm -hmm. during this consumer products goods dip that we're having now in the coming recession. More and more people are going to be buying stuff on Amazon because of pricing. But with that said, I teach people that if you play by the rules, you play by the rules of these mega corporations and what they tell you mm -hmm. and you watch the videos that they give you, it's not going to help you. It's mm -hmm. going to help you maintain their bottom line and their status quo. The guys that I know that are making seven, eight figures, nine figure exits, selling their companies mm -hmm. after two years, building up supplement companies, building up natural products companies, building up home, healthcare, whatever companies, uh, home goods companies on these platforms are guys that aren't playing by the rules. So yeah, yeah. what I realized early on is that, hey, I got to do something that the other guys aren't doing. I got to bring some extra value and I've got to create multiple streams of income so that if anything happens to one of them, I can still thrive with the other ones. And mm. that's worked very well for me in the past, man, 30 plus years I've been doing business. And that gives you so much power because by having that diversification, you can be in a much stronger place if one of your businesses no longer is creating that kind of income or one of your investment streams is no longer producing, you have other ones that you're uh, being able to be supported by. So let's, let's shift gears here. One of the things that we talk about uh, a lot is we define financial independence as the moment that your passive income number reaches your target. And the most simple target for most people is their passive income is twice as much as their expenses. So they have more than they need and that money can keep compounding. So from that perspective and that definition, as a business owner, I can imagine you found yourself in this place. When did you realize that you had made it and that you were truly financially independent, that that passive income that you had invested has finally hit that point where you're set? and everything you need is covered. Yeah, probably when I had a million in the bank, 
right? But it went fast for me during my youth. And I'll tell you, by the way, again, anyone that's interested, it's Billion, How I Became King of the Throw Pill Cult. I got to plug the book. So anybody mm-hmm. wants to check it out, you know, check it out. We, we just launched the audio book. So people love that. And I tell this story. So I was sitting in my office. I was in my late teens, you know, maybe 18, 19. And uh, my dog at the time knocks over a pile of papers. Now, what I had done is I realized my... Thank you, Elon Musk. I realized my employees, which I had 200 of at the time, had gotten too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Everybody was too comfortable with all the nicenesses of the office. And believe me, it was mm-hmm. nowhere web 2.0, 3.0, Google offices. We had yeah. just a normal office. So I hired a team of movers to come in at night, and they took out every stick of furniture, every desk. I said, mm-hmm. you guys are going to be standing. You guys are going to be producing. And the guy's like, what do you want to do with the water coolers? I said, they're yours. Take them. Mm. There's no time for water. There's no time for coffee. Take out the coffee machines. All right. We're going to succeed. And that's what we're about. Because there started to be a lot of companies that were competing against us. And my team had gotten complacent. They had gotten too comfortable. And I remember sitting in my office and I had I was the only one with a chair. I had these French Lotus chairs that I had made for me in France and they were beautiful, right? And I'd making millions of dollars. And so I was sitting in this beautiful uh, like rattan low chair and my dog ran into the room and knocked down a pile of papers. And I remember looking into this pile and there was a check that I just, there was a pile of stuff. There was like checks. There was like letters that I haven't opened. I mean, everything was everywhere. I was so busy mm-hmm. during this time. And I picked up this one check and I looked at it and it was a check for a million dollars from a a Japanese uh, vendor. And Mm -hmm. I looked at it and I said, hmm. And I just put it back in the tray and I went back to doing whatever I was doing. And I realized at that time that a million dollars, a million nineties dollars was so insignificant to me that I was like, I must have really made it because (laughs) a year or two back, like I would have been happy for a hundred bucks. I didn't have a hundred bucks to go out there and buy a buy a veggie burrito or whatever it was I ate at the time. Yeah. And now I just picked up a pile with a million dollar check and I put it in the maybe later category of like it's an incredible. It's an incredible place to be to have a business that's creating <laughs> that kind of income that you're thinking to yourself, I'm not even focused on this because I'm already there. But I want to shift the the I want to yeah. shift the focus here a little bit because what you're talking about and what you keep focusing on is active income. You're you got people, you're grinding, you're busting your butt, they're working for you. You're thinking as a business owner. Let's say you get hit by a bus, you're alive, you're in the hospital, you got a wife and kids, your businesses are no longer producing money. What was the point where you hit where those investments that you've made, whatever they might be, had gotten you to that point where you know, man, everyone that I love is taken care of, even if my business is dissolved today? Have you hit that point? Yeah, yeah, I have. And I've actually done that many times in my life. And it was, I think, the first time I hit that point was when I made my first million bucks. And it was the first like real time where I was like, man, if this payment comes through, I'll have a million in the bank free and clear, like taxes paid, it's a million bucks. And the money came in. what did you invest that money into? Because having it in the bank is not producing income, right? It's not passive. (laughs) But what did that go into? Were you a stock guy? Was it these condos and real estate you're talking about? Like what was that thing that you started pumping money into that said, you know what? It's not going all into the business. It's going to go somewhere else. And I'm going to somehow get a benefit from that. 
more businesses. So I always believe that first and foremost, the highest value that you're going to receive for your money is going to be investing in your own business, assuming you've got a profitable business. So if I could take that million and turn my revenue from a million a year to two million a year, three million a year, or four million a year, I'm going to do that. And Mm -hmm. It's a better, more stable, more controllable. I like control over my investments. A better, more controllable investment than any of that other stuff. Now, I took the next million and I bought some real estate. I took the next million. Man, I had a lot of real estate. I had real estate on on the beach in Malibu, Celebrity Row. I bought uh, uh, office buildings and warehouses all throughout the Los Angeles area and rented them out and loved the cash flow. I bought buildings in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, and love that cash flow. So, but even those, you know, when when we talk about passive income, I think there has to be a uh, you, you've got to like preempt that with like more passive or less passive. But I don't believe that anything is truly- there's active. Yeah, there's active income or there's passive income. So if you're buying that piece of real estate and you're the one who's making the decision on who's going to manage it, and you got to make phone calls, you got to do anything related to that. Yeah. And that's semi, that's semi-active or semi-passive, whichever one you want to look at it, right? Yeah. 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 I Look, I think everything takes work. At the and as a business day. owner, you're a control guy. So you're not really, you have yet to get to that point of wanting to give control to somebody else so that and in return, you could receive the benefit, but also- to be free of having to even think about it. Yeah, and I'll 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 put this in the in the pot that we're talking about. I think of every product that I develop and I've developed thousands of products, award-winning products, products that have made billions of dollars, products that have made hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. I've I've done all the different kinds of products. Every product I think of as a piece of real estate. And every company that I build mm-hmm. I think of as a piece of real estate. And and really, when you look at most entrepreneurs and you look at their net worth, not their liquid worth, but their net worth, the majority of their worth is going to be wrapped up in the value of the last company, their active company that they're active in. And most entrepreneurs don't think about that because we get involved in business. We start getting some cash flow. We get excited and we're like, okay, this is great. I'm making all this money. But really, the value is in the multiple of your EBITDA that you're mm-hmm. going to get at the time of an exit. Mm-hmm. And that's really where, where you see it. And if you think about it like that, it, your perspective on the businesses that you have changed. So now, like, I teach people how to build these yeah. Amazon businesses. And they're like, can I get to 50 grand a month? Can I get to 100 grand a month? I'm like, yeah, I've got companies that do seven figures a month. It's not, not impossible. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to be the fact that you're going to be able to take that company and sell it for five times, 10 times uh, the multiple of your earnings. So when you look at it like that, you're going to make so much more from that, especially if you play your cards right, you have your tax structure correct, then, you know, the little paycheck that you're getting at the end of the day. So now when I start companies... I don't even like, I don't care about the payroll. I don't like, I barely look at it. Like my, my accounts tell me, Hey, you got to take a paycheck. I'm like, all right, cool. I don't even, this is a great example for the listeners just to see the difference between an investor versus an operator, 
Right now, Shaheen is 100% speaking as an operator. He almost doesn't even really believe in the idea of investing without having that control of being an operator, being that person who is taking their time and exchanging it, their time, their creativity, their experience, their relationships, all of those things to exchange that in order to create a greater return. Because for being an operator, being in that position, you get control and you get the opportunity to greatly increase the potential return. Now, if you're just doing one business, then you're putting a lot of your eggs in one basket. And I do recommend for business owners, the best investment return they can make is going to be in their business. But at a certain point, it does make sense to start taking some chips off the table, start makes, making sense to start funneling money away. And real estate's a vehicle for me. I invest in many other different things, including other businesses, some that I am active in and some that I am I have nothing to do with the day-to-day management. I'm truly just an investor. But it's important for you as a listener to understand where you want to be. And this is part of coming up with that vision of what that future looks like, where you're going to spend your time, where you're going to invest, and what type of uh, life you want to create. Because as an entrepreneur, as someone who's in the business operating day-to-day, you're going to end up putting time in there, but you're going to get a great return. And so it's just about deciding what it is that you want out of it in the position of making money and multiplying money, but being active in it, following the kind of path that Cheyenne is talking about is really can be a phenomenal path. Yeah. And, and and I've got real estate that I just buy and I've got a management company that manages it and it's glorious. I don't have to do much once the the deals are acquired. Generally speaking, if you want to get the really, really good deals, it's more difficult because a lot of work has to go into finding those deals. And when you mm-hmm. find those deals, you got to be at the right place. There's a component to it, which is yep. being at the right place at the right time. And there's a limited deal flow that you can get into. Whereas with your business, it's unlimited deals, right? If you've got a business that's generating revenue, you've got good churn, like everything's going well, then you can just keep presumably pumping money and growing it exponentially, right? And that's how companies yeah. become, become huge. With with real estate, if I tell you, dude, you know, if we were if we were in, let's take take uh, an area for example, let's say Orlando, two thousand nine, right? You'd be able to go up there and pick up single family homes for 20 grand, 30 grand in some cases mm-hmm. right? that would rent for a thousand dollars. Imagine the return on that. That's insane, right? I picked mm-hmm. up a ton of those back in those days, right? Do I want to duplicate that now? Well, that, those same properties now are three or four hundred thousand dollars. So mm-hmm. that game's done. Like I met a guy the other night, real estate billionaire. Mm-hmm. And he started out and I asked him, how'd you do it? And he said, look, I was in the East Coast. I you know, went on an island somewhere. I came back and someone told me that um, real estate's the way to go. So that's what I decided to do. Or he decided to get into real estate. He borrowed $24,000 in a, a very sketchy part of town and he bought a hundred unit apartment building <laughs> and he built from there and I he created this is going yeah yeah and he created a, a portfolio of assets right that led to that that now are worth you know probably several billion dollars i mean mm-hmm. the dude's house when you get into the front door by the time you walk into the living room it's 15 minutes later someone's got to escort you in there i yeah. mean we're talking incredible wealth 
but so I'm talking to this guy and I'm like, all right. So what's again, the path just, to just to be clear, yeah. we're talking, that's an operator. This person is an operator. They're not an investor. Not anymore. They might be investing. They might be investing in real estate, but they're the one going and finding the deal. They're the right. one funding the deal. They're the one making the decisions for the property manager to do their job. Right. As an investor, you're the one putting up the money and you're passive. So you're essentially finding a business owner who they're doing that all day, every day, and they require that. And then at this person, at this point of gotcha. this, this billionaire's life, you know, maybe he's not an operator or maybe he is. I bet he's got a bunch of businesses, but he's probably also investing because right. he's got so much money. He's like, I just need other people to start being in charge of it. This dude still operates, which I was I was pretty impressed by. Like he'll still buy. But, it, you know, when you have that level of capital, you can get in on deals that you and me could never yeah. get in on. Right. So like if I got brokers called Beverly Hills brokers, Malibu brokers calling me all the time and they're like, hey, Shaheen, we got this property. You know, it's like. Uh, 27 million bucks, but like the guy's distressed. You can get it for like 19 million bucks. And I'm like, cool, but that's still like, he's like, but it's gotta be a cash deal. And I'm like, cool, yeah. but that's still 19, you know, million bucks of money. A guy like that can come in and go, you know what guys, I'll give you 15 on that and yeah. all cash right now. No, no contingency, no escrow, nothing. Pick it up for 15, sit on it for a year or two, do nothing. I mean, I've seen these things empty all the time. Why a $15 million house is empty, $20 million house empty. They sit on it and then, you know, then they cash out. They take the tax, they take the tax advantage for a few years and then they sell and they make 20 million. The guy just made 5 million bucks, didn't do anything, right? That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty passive, right? Because he's just taking risk. But I don't know, does risk count as, as far as, uh, as far as like your equation in um, being active and being passive? Is I would say risk so. active? Yeah, okay. well, I would say not taking risk is not necessarily active. There's different levels of risk in taking and making a passive investment. But if you're the one who's making the decisions and pulling the strings and finding the deal, you're active. You're going to do that. You're going to hire the property manager. They're going to call you to tell you that they got to fix something in the property or there's a problem. If you're in that position to make that ultimate decision, you're active. If you're the guy who writes the check, and collect 70 or 80% of the profit because you're the guy with the money, like, like the, the very ultra yeah. rich, rich do, or people who can start to understand how to create these uh, type of opportunities for themselves, then you can be in that position to get that benefit. But one of the things I like about you and, and really what you're all about is I can tell you you're like a born and bred entrepreneur. And I can tell that you are training and coaching people on the power of entrepreneurship. So tell the audience, because it's clearly something that is so near and dear to your heart and you're really inspired to help share that entrepreneurial vision and dream with others. How can they go about doing that? And why is the traditional corporate world no longer the way of the future? Yeah, I, I feel like there's a percentage of the population where you're better off just getting a job and working for somebody and banking on that paycheck and living your life. For the rest of us, we're largely unemployable. I am incapable of working for somebody on their terms and their time. I just won't do it. I'd rather yeah. sit on the beach and sip a coconut, right? And hey, look, I've I've lived my life to this point being 47 years old where I don't have to do that anymore. I can, I've got a few money. I can do what I like to do when I want to do with who I want to do it, how I want to do it. The definition of freedom. Yeah. But ultimately, I think that 
you do have to create your life. You have to become, and I speak for myself, a lifestyle architect where mm. I design my life in a way where I have access to that freedom. And part of that is having more passive streams of income. So now I teach people how to do that. I believe that in the past, you were able to have one business and that business would run your life and you could pass it on to your family. And that was kind of the way that things worked. And for me, when I launched my first product, Herbal Ecstasy, that I write about in my book, Billion, um, I thought that was it. And there was a period after that where I was like, man, are my best days behind me? But I make more money now, like per year, than and, and that I keep than I did the entire time in that company. And the reason is because I've got so many different businesses going. And, and this is what I'm heading towards. I feel for me, especially in the future, that the paradigm has shifted and the way the wealth is created and the wealth will be created as we move forward is through multiple streams of income, some more passive, mm -hmm. some less passive, some mm -hmm. active, some real estate, some, some in stocks. Uh, you know, I see Tesla stock is tumbling today, but I think that's going to mm. pick up eventually. And, it, you know, you, you have to be able to diversify, but at the end of the day, you have to have something that can be that long shot, right? That can be that thing that could end up like building mm. out, you know, a, a lifestyle for you. And then there's a thing that you work on that you hustle on because you love to do it, but it also brings you some cash. Maybe that's the thing that you live on. And then you've got like real estate investments and real estate portfolio, but having a healthy mix of this stuff, mm. I think is the only security moving forward, especially in the next three to five years is making sure that you're diversified and having cash ready, like at your fingertips for when a crazy deal comes up is really, you know, so many people have been made wealthy by the ability to seize opportunities. And imagine how many opportunities were lost because people didn't have their stuff together when those opportunities presented themselves. And so I think there's nothing wrong with having cash, like just being liquid and having cash at your disposal waiting for that incredible opportunity. Yeah. Well, what I really like about what you're underlining here, Shaheen, is that you're talking about the importance of having multiple different types of streams. Now, there's going to be people who aren't going to want to be entrepreneurial and they're going to want to kind of go a different path and they really just want to be free to just live the life that they dream about. Maybe it isn't quite as big or maybe it's big, but you know, it doesn't require that same thing, but for a lot of people, what you'll find, and you know, you're a very wealthy man and you have many wealthy friends and many of my wealthy friends. What we talk about is that most extremely wealthy people, they got wealthy by building a business. They got wealthy by having something that created an outrageous return on investment. And so you're absolutely right. And for the rest of those people who maybe aren't creating that massive return, 
it's about taking some of those pieces off the table as you go, but really understanding that you've got to take back control of your life. You can't rely on a gold watch or a 401k to, uh, to be able to retire on Shaheen, So many people are still stuck in that mindset. So what do you say to those people who are on the edge? And obviously you've got a great strategy that you guys teach and share with people. What do you say to those people who they know they need to take action, but they haven't yet made that change to go take control of their life and their income? Yeah, maybe maybe you're not ready for it. Maybe you should just freaking quit and go out there and get a job. Honestly, there's a lot of people. And and look, the cost of, of self-help, of this TikTok generation where people are like, go out there and get it and you can do it and be the best. Maybe you just suck. Right? And, and, and I say this honestly because I feel like people really have to get to know themselves. Now, it doesn't mean that you suck forever and that you're uh, a waste of, of space. It just means that you suck and you know you suck and you have to work on some things before you can get there. Right. And, and I, I talk about this often at the Temple of Delphi. One of the inscriptions was uh, Nothi Sutan, which means know thyself. Right. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. These guys could have put anything they wanted to up on, on this like incredible temple on this mount. And what they put is know thyself. Right. Mm -hmm. And you think about it, and that means, okay, you got to know your strengths but you got to know your weaknesses more importantly, right? And if we know mm. that, if we know, dude, I suck at so many things, right? But I'm really good at a couple of things. And I know the things I'm really good at and I know how to capitalize on those. That's incredibly powerful. So if somebody is stuck, there's a reason why you're stuck. And that reason might be that you suck, that you're really <laughs> not as good as you think that you are in those things. And the true measure on how good you are at those things is the market. The marketplace will mm -hmm. show you through money in your bank account how excellent you are. If you're like, dude, I am the best effing artist in the world. Look how amazing my paintings are, but I'm broke. Well, dude, yeah, you're obviously not that good. The market begs to differ with you, mm. okay? So it doesn't mean that the art you're making isn't isn't beautiful. It just means that it's not commercially viable. And our world, the world of commerce, the world of business, which is what we're talking about, mm -hmm. is about having the validation in your bank account. And the first step is knowing yourself, knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses. And the next step is doing something about it or being resolved not to. There's nothing wrong with being a teacher or a bus driver and just living a normal life. I respect people like that, that are resolved to be that way, right? At least there, there's no like false ambition of like, I'm going to go out there and have the jacuzzi with the Bugatti and, and all that stuff, right? They're just living their best lives and they're good people and they're family people. And that's the way, that's the way their world works. And that's okay. But if you're somebody who has ambition, the first thing you need to do is find 10 friends or 10 people close to you and be like, be incredibly rough and tell me what you think of me. What mm. are my weaknesses? What are my strengths? And why haven't I made it? Why has yeah. Jojo made it? And I haven't made it and be honest with me. And what you will hear will shock you. And mm. you have to, you have to take it to heart, right? A lot of the stuff is being in the right place at the right time. It's, it's a process in a system I call synchronicity. Mm -hmm. And in order to have synchronicity, 
you have to be in flow. It's what Chikset Mihai wrote about in his book, Flow. It's about being able to create a state for me where I am at my highest level of performance. Once, once, mm-hmm. once I get in that state where I'm in my highest level of performance, what Chikset Mihai considers flow, then I can achieve synchronicity, which is being at the right place at the right time, having an idea. And the guy that can actuate that idea is sitting across the room from me and we talk and a deal is made. It's that kind of flow that comes into your life when you get to know yourself, when you get to realize, man, I am an amazing storyteller. I'm an amazing salesman, but I absolutely suck at graphic design. Cool. Now I can do something with that. The problem comes with our illusions about who we are and our belief that the world owes us something, that we are entitled because of our our belief about the way we think the world should be. That's the greatest problem, Mm. I think, in the mindset of most entrepreneurs is incongruence. And people get upset about that stuff. People are like, dude, I expected the world to be like this and the world is like that. I went out and I came out with this product and I don't understand why nobody's buying my product. Nobody's coming to my store. Nobody's doing this. It's like, it's because you suck. <laughs> but- I love I love the tough love because I think a lot of people are not used to hearing it. And the truth is there's a reason that you are not succeeding at the top level. Either you have not put in enough time and effort and tried enough times, or you haven't received the feedback that this is not the right path for you. So I think that is a amazing thing to really be able to take in. If it's hard for you to hear, it's even more important for you to hear it. Truly, Shaheen, it's been awesome getting into this with you. I highly recommend you guys go out and buy his book, Billion how I became the king of the thrill pill cult. Uh, you can grab that on Amazon and on audiobook as well. Cheyenne, how else can people get in touch with you if they desire to? Yeah, check us out on Instagram. It's at Hack and Grow Rich. You can check out our YouTube channel. I think we're up to about 70,000 subscribers now at the Hack and Grow Rich podcast, where I host a weekly show with my co-host, Bart Baggett. Awesome. Well, it was great having you on. It was great diving in. And uh, I highly encourage the listeners to really think, hey, what can I take away from today's conversation? How can I apply that in my business or in my investing portfolio? Thanks so much. And we'll see you on the next episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. You're listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.